This is the Wealth and Law Podcast, a podcast about the intersection of personal wealth and the legal landscape. We'll take a deep dive into relevant topics. We'll basically teach you what we know, and we'll engage with guests with deep expertise in their field. We hope that you'll enjoy this episode and many more episodes. So please join us on this journey as we try to bring you relevant information that is both timely and important for you to know in order to engage in this area of the world. Welcome to the Wealth and Law Podcast. It is uh, in a modern society like ours, almost uh, non-negotiable that you have to, if you're in business of some variety, build an audience around that business. They used to call it build a Rolodex or have relationships. But I think the the term nowadays is build an audience. And in order to do something like that, you have to talk with somebody who knows what they're talking about. And that's why Kyla Dodano is with me today. Kyla, thanks for joining me. Yeah, of course. Thanks for inviting me. Kyla, the recovering lawyer. <laughs> I'll take that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean it in a nice way, of course. Sometimes lawyers say that and they mean it in like a pejorative way. Yeah. So I, yeah, recovering lawyer. Um, <laughs> I went to law school with every intention of being a lawyer and being a practicing attorney. I went to law school. I wanted to do environmental law. So I moved from Ohio to Louisiana, where they had the third largest Exxon plant in the world. And I was like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to fight pollution, save Louisiana from sinking. Let's do it. Right. And I get to school. I don't I only know one lawyer before I went to law school. He was an insurance defense lawyer. So I get to law school. I'm thinking environmental. I, you know, did some insurance defense paperwork, shuffling. I changed my mind. I was like, oh, family law looks cool. Oh, what about divorce? So I volunteered at divorce court. That was okay, but it was, it was kind of sad. And so then I was like, okay, well, what about construction law? That's along the same lines with environmental law. Uh, I really liked the professor, but I didn't think construction law. I was like, maybe I can do some permits, you know, kind of like try to fight people's permits so that they can't pollute. And then I thought about criminal defense. I had a criminal defense internship. I had no idea what I wanted to do in law school besides lead, right? As a 1L, I get there, people are running for office, and there was a guy running to be parliamentarian. And he's like, oh, I'm going to win because I'm a 2L. I've been in the school longer than you. Well, I'm a big nerd. I love the Constitution. I love rules and procedures. And I was like, well, you can't just win because no one's going to run against you. I'll run. And so I'm campaigning. I become parliamentarian as a 2L. I'm parliamentarian. I'm sitting in with the SBA, which is the Student Bar Association Board, doing all of this stuff, helping out, talking to people, studying. I start working for Barbary. So I'm like, okay, I think I enjoy the extra curricular part of law school. I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this. And then there's a chance to become the editor-in-chief of the public defender. Yes, pick me, please. I would love to do that. And so I become editor-in-chief of the public defender, which is the law school newspaper as a 3L. So I have managing editors under me. They're turning in papers. I'm doing all of the you know, checking their sites, looking at mm-hmm. references, doing basic editing, all of this. And basically law school taught me that everything I enjoy doing, I can keep doing. <laughs> and that doesn't matter. And whether or not I practice doesn't really matter, right? Law school taught me that I had to create everything I wanted. And I don't know if that's the lesson that they intended, right? I think I would have expected to learn that from business school, but I didn't expect to learn that from law school, right? But everything that I did in law school, everything I learned in law school is completely applicable with what I'm doing in life now. Um, From hosting the You Are Lawyer podcast, where I talk to lawyers every single week about a unique career interest they have, a job, a career change, right? Like, did you stop practicing law to open a food truck to become a filmmaker? Or do you love practicing law? 
but you just happen to work with really exciting clients or you write eight books a year, right? So um, everything about law school, it shaped who I am right now in a really unexpected way. And I really like tapping into that part of the law. So yeah, yeah. that's really interesting. And uh, the way you said that was really, um, I think, really spot on in that you, it's not just law school, of course, let's not you know, kid ourselves, but just focusing on lawyers for the moment, uh, you know, as, as a breed, you're right. You're taught in essence in law school that what you're supposed to aspire to do is get out of law school, work for a large law firm and work there and then become a partner. And then it, you'll just move up the track. And that sort of is as, as detailed as the plan ever is, maybe not too different from like you go get your MBA and what you're supposed to do getting your MBA or going to business school is do really well and then get that cush job with McKinsey or PwC. And then you just do all this business consulting work or whatever. And that, you know, that's like supposed to be, and then it's just sort of vague after that. Yeah. But the vague part is really, I, I completely agree. The vague part is, oh no, whatever is the thing that you like to do, you create something doing that. That's what you're supposed yeah. to do. Yeah, absolutely. And in fact, when I went to law school, you know, I had no intention on doing big law because I went to law school at 28. So I had already worked for a number of years. I worked in different corporations and I was a department head at McGraw Hill. You know what I mean? Like I had done things before and I kept thinking about law school. So I was like, well, I'm still thinking about law school. So let's go. But when I get there, sorry, I just lost my point. What was I trying to say? I had done things before law school. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I had never considered big law. I was like, I've yeah. been in corporations. Yeah. I don't want to see offices again. That's not what I want. But then I never got the itch to be a litigator either. Right now, I, I definitely enjoy public speaking, but I def, I wasn't thinking about that when I was in school. So it's really ironic that I get out of law school and then work in a big law firm for five years. The complete thing I wasn't planning on doing, my roommate at the time in law school, she was all about big law. She was like, I got to get best grades. I got to be in the top 2%. I'm going to all the big firms. Well, I think I just had this whole like hippie thing going from being in environmental law where I was like, I mean, it'll just happen. I might stay in Louisiana. I might go to Ohio. Like, we'll just see. And so I end up graduating in Louisiana, moved back to Ohio, interview, and I end up working at Voorhees, which is a medium-sized law firm, but it definitely has like big law culture. Yeah. It's, I'm in one office out of eight offices that they have. Like it's a big firm. It has a huge network. I had no idea because I went to school in Louisiana. So I'm used to hearing people talk about, you know, Thibodeau and company <laughs> law firm, not where I am now in Ohio. So all of those things, like it's really ironic that I ended up doing the one thing I didn't want to do, but I still had to create my own space because at the time that I left, I was running a department with eight different paralegals who were under me. And we were serving the IP department for five of our eight offices. So, I mean, that job did not exist literally when I started working at the law firm. But I had to take my interest and say, remember all of the rules and procedures and policies that you always love? This department doesn't exist. How are you going to create it? Oh, that's a job called operations where you do onboarding, you write procedures, you write training manuals. Someone has to do all of that, right? I was doing job descriptions. I was interviewing. I, was, I did the whole thing. And so... All of my editing from law school, all of my organization, all of my seeing how pieces work together, all of that worked when I was in big law, even though it was nothing that I would have imagined for myself. Um, but I thrived there and I really, really loved it. I only left because, you know, I had started this podcast and it was starting to get really big. Uh, the You Are a Lawyer podcast. And also at the time I left, my daughter was like nine months old. 
And it was just really hard. Like this was June, 2020. And I was like, I can't even imagine going back to an office with a baby. <laughs> I was like, yeah, not only, I was like, I just can't, like I was dreading their emails where they were going to tell us the office was back open. And even now they still have a hybrid schedule. But at the time I was like, I can't, I'll just go all in on podcasting. Right. I was like, no, never mind, never mind. So yeah. it doesn't sound like you were the personality to not just go do the thing that you wanted to do anyways. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> but there are there are times when this personality shows up, but there are definitely there were years where this personality was hidden. And that's mm-hmm. because I did not realize I had to keep learning after law school. And I hate to say that, but like I've I've come I've made peace with it, right? When I got out of law school, I distinctly remember, I was like, okay, you know what? I'm gonna get on all these dating apps and start dating this summer while I'm studying for the bar exam. I'm finally free, right? And so I'm studying. I have a, a study partner. I would meet up with her at Community Coffee in Baton Rouge and we would study and then I would go on a date. And then we would study and I'd be like, oh, I'm going to have pizza. Like I had this whole social life that I couldn't have when I was in law school because now that I'm done with law school, now that I have Barbary to teach me everything, now that like, oh, now I just get to show you guys what I've learned for the last three years. This is great. I completely underestimated the bar exam. And there was something about being in law school where like my growth mindset turned into a fixed mindset where I was like, I just earned a Juris Doctorate degree. This is the pinnacle. I'm done. Here we go. And I was like, oh, there's stuff I still don't know. (laughs) What do you, what do you mean? There's stuff I still don't know. Right. So there were a number of years where like, you wouldn't have seen this personality because I was hiding. I was ashamed that I had gone to law school and I wasn't a practicing attorney, even though I had no idea what type of law I wanted to practice. Mm -hmm. I still was so upset that like, I was on the other side of the attorney door, right? I I had that scarlet F on my chest for being a big failure, even though nobody even cared. But it was just like the biggest thing to me that here I was, I had spent this money and this time to go to school and I didn't get the one thing that I wanted. So I definitely had to pull this energy, this charisma, all of this out of me remember who I was before, remember why I even got into law school, remember everything I did before law school so that I could make my business thrive, make my podcast thrive and get to this point. Yeah. I think that's really interesting because you do, you know, whether you're in, whether you're a practicing lawyer or not, when you get this law degree, I mean, the thing that they tell you they're trying to teach you is like to think like a lawyer, to think creatively, to solve problems. Well, like all of those things really translate into many different fields. It doesn't have to just be, you know, acting as a practicing lawyer. So for example, you know, having a podcast or running a podcast or running, trying to build a business around a podcast, I've I'm assuming, unless you correct me, that those skills that you kind of learned and honed through law school then translated into building something that didn't exist. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, For one, the process of going to law school is building a lawyer that's never existed, Mm -hmm. right? You go in as a law student, somebody who thinks, oh, this will be interesting. And then you're supposed to come out as this, if not more disciplined person, but person who really appreciates the law, person who is looking forward to changing the world, to advocate all of this. So you go to law school and it truly is you building a lawyer. What's this lawyer going to look like at the end? And I had missed a lot of those lessons. I think I was spending so much time doing the extracurricular stuff. I mean, I definitely didn't fail out. You know what I mean? Like I was in the middle of the class. I was perfectly average. And so when you hear people say, for one, C's get degrees, but also like your C students are the ones that have 
the huge law firms, because they have the work ethic, they just maybe aren't the best test takers, or they're not the ones that are right. tallying every class. And so I was like, great, C's, <laughs> you know what I mean? A couple A minuses, this is perfect. I, I know what I'm doing, let's go. But my true education when I was in law school was honing the things that I really enjoyed, which was editing, which was writing, which is words. Mm -hmm. I love all forms of words. I love writing. <laughs> I love podcasting because it's spoken word to audio. I love ep like episode notes. I love all things that have to do with words. So it makes sense that I was editor. It makes sense that I was parliamentarian. It makes sense that I took that training and those educational skills and then use them in my business every single day, right? When I started the podcast, I did not expect it to become a business. At the time, I really thought it was going to be me and a couple of people that I knew just talking about law school and how we got to where we are, right? Yeah. And I've actually only met three people out of like the 85 lawyers that have been on You Are a Lawyer. Because every time I talk to someone, they like, oh, that was so great. Let me tell my friend or let me tell this person or let me tell that person. It ended up being this thing that's way outside of the people that I even know, right? To the point where I reached out to people who I went to law school with, because every season I talked to someone who went to my law school. And I'm like, hey, do you want to be on the show? And they're like, really? I thought you were booked. Or, oh, I didn't know you were talking to, like, why would you want to talk to me? And I'm like, <laughs> the people I actually know don't want to be on the show, because they're like, are you sure? I see you posting. I see you on LinkedIn. You're so fancy. And I'm like, but you know me. <laughs> no, you know me. You're the person I really want to talk to. Like everybody else, it's great that I get to promote them, but like I would love to promote people I went to school with. So it's weird how the perception of it has changed, right? When I started the show, I reached out to people that I was graduating with and they're like, no, I'm just starting. It's not time for me. You know, I haven't done anything. And I'm mm. like, no, that's, that's the show I'm trying to build. I'm trying to build, hey, what did you want to do when you went to law school? What did you end up doing? Right. Um, so it's funny how, you know, this turned into a whole business with strangers, honestly, me meeting lawyers, connecting with the fact that we all went to law school and then finding out what they've done with their law degrees. So. Do you think there's a common theme among people, for example, who got law degrees and then ended up outside of traditional practicing law in some other business venture? I do. And I think that common theme is the growth mindset. Uh -huh. or people who are curious. When I first started the podcast, I was like, yeah, all lawyers are curious. You know, we love, love to know what's happening. And that's not the case. I talked to a lot of people who were like, no, I just wanted a room, like a guideline. I wanted a roadmap. You told me if I did this and did this and did this, I would get a job. I'd make $250,000 a year. I'd be fine. Um, and a lot of people just wanted that roadmap, right? I am a direction follower. I, I like directions. <laughs> <laughs> I'll use the same recipe three times and then I'll say, okay, well, let me try this or let me try that. Let me try that. But at first, sure. You know, first, let me just follow what it says. And then I'll try to change it up later on. And, and there's a good amount of lawyers who go to law school because they're just like, you told me this will work. Great. Let's do it. Right. Um, but the people who truly succeed, the people that really like have created amazing lives with their law degrees are people who are naturally curious. They, they ask themselves, hey, what's that? Oh, what's going on here? Oh, let's dig a little bit deeper. Right. And I think that's what you... That's a skill that you have to have in life, at least when you're going to do something non-traditional. If you want to start a podcast and you don't know anyone who's podcasting, you have to be curious about how does this work? How do I create it? How do I record? Right? And I think the people who have um, had the most success that I've talked to on the podcast are people who have been naturally curious. Hmm. Yeah, that's really interesting because lawyers, I think, generally speaking, this is of course, yeah. uh, overgeneralization perhaps, but lawyers, I think, 
by their nature are cautious creatures and quite fearful, actually. They don't want to yeah. make mistakes. They don't want to fail. You know, they're used to everything going right. They want things to proceed based on the way that it's written down and the way, you know, the way that the rules work. It's supposed to be step A, then B, then C, then D, then E, then F. Um, and if you do something sort of creative, like building almost anything outside of the law, that's not the way it works. I mean, that's not really the way it works in real practice either, but that's definitely not the way it works outside of practicing law. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you are correct. And I don't know, I don't know where that risk aversion has come from, except for, excuse me. I think lawyers are so risk averse because we're afraid of what can happen if we like truly run against the wind. Like if we, Mm -hmm. I think we're like, it's not scared of success, but we're just afraid of being pioneers. That's how I'll say it. Because realistically, and I have a shirt, I make shirts that say like lawyers are cool, lawyers take risk. (laughs) Because I, I really think because we've gone to law school, because we, if not appreciate, understand how to research. We should take more risks, right? If I decide I want to start a business and I already know how to write contracts, that should make me say, yeah, start the business. If I say, oh, I want to go, you know, write a book and I don't know anyone else who's done it, but I can find a lawyer who's done it, right? Like we should actually lean into the skills that we Mm -hmm. know and it should make us take more risks because we know that we'll be covered by our training, by our legal degrees. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. I think that's, that's completely true. You well, I think we, uh, again, speaking for our uh, our people, our lawyers here, I think they they tend to to probably conflate the level of disaster that can happen by you know failure, so to speak, yeah. you know, stepping out of line and then being punished for it in some way. I think the the risks are actually quite low. And yeah, and if it doesn't work out, if you've gone to law school, like you still do have a law degree, you can still do something else. You have a valuable thing. Yeah. And I think one of the biggest problems is just that people can't see what else they would do. Mm-hmm. Right. When I was in law school, I interned with the I can picture it in my head. It's the environment. So it's like the EPA equivalent in Louisiana. Okay. Um, yeah. Louisiana Department of Environmental Quality. And so, you know, I had I had a plan in my mind. I was like, okay, I'm going to intern here and then I'm going to pass the bar exam. Then I'll be a staff attorney for 2.5 years. And then I'll do this and then I could possibly become director. Right. And so that was fine for me because I've I've always bragged about, oh, I'm the best employee. I love getting a regular check. I like knowing when stuff is coming in. I love all of that. Well, that's because I didn't know any successful entrepreneurs. And now that I am an entrepreneur, and if I decide to have 12 discovery calls and that ends up getting eight clients, I never imagined making $28,000 a month. I never seen anyone do it, right? To me, it was, no, do your regular basic stuff. You know what I mean? Like move Mm -hmm. up the ladder. And and then you'll be fine. But I was like, there's really no wealth ceiling. If I could just imagine it, where would I like, where would you have learned that? Right, right. <laughs> so I think that's one of the best things about being a lawyer is the fact that you can do absolutely anything, but you need to see it somewhere. And I hope that the You Are Lawyer podcast is like showing people you're still a lawyer. You are very much so a lawyer. In fact, most of the guests complain that they still have to pay their bar association fees, <laughs> even though they're CEO of a tech company. But you're you're definitely still a lawyer, even if you're doing something else, right? Right, right. Well, sort of on the on the theme that I that I teed up here, which actually I think a lot of what you just described feeds exactly into the theme of you know if you're gonna 
if you're going to take that step and you're going to do something, you really do have to build an audience around it. You you mentioned that your podcast grew partly through organic reach, it sounds like, because people were recommending other lawyers to be on the podcast. What what other things do you do to try to ensure that um, your your business has the connectivity that you think it needs to support whatever goals you have? Yeah, that's a really good question. So <laughs> the first thing that came to mind, and we're being honest here, the first thing is I decline a lot of guests. And so to explain further, I only talk to people that I really want to talk to. And it's my show and I get to do that. (laughs) So if you are, you know, an attorney for NASA, but you're just filing, you know, reports about about rackets. And I'm like, can I talk to the guy who's like doing the patents for how you guys are wrapping the rackets, right? I get to choose. I get to say, that's that's unique and great for you, but I don't think I could be that excited talking to you, right? And so I get to have that discernment and I get to pick and choose who I talk to. And I think that's the number one biggest marketing thing, because when I actually want to talk to you, I'm going to approach the conversation with more energy. I can't wait to tell someone, hey, guess who I just talked to? Oh my goodness, this lawyer's amazing, right? Um, That's one of the biggest things that I do to grow my business is that I make sure that I'm protecting it by being discerning and who I actually want to talk to. Yeah, I love that. (laughs) I really, no, I really love that. Because if it is something that you like and you want to pursue it, you should you should tell people and, and engage with people in a way that that shows how much you like it. And if you're engaging with people you're not really interested in, that that doesn't really help. This is true. Yeah. And I, I did have the like safety cushion of the fact that I started the podcast while I was still working. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like, oh, no, I'm not going to be able to eat this week if I don't put out an episode. Because for two years, the podcast was bi-weekly and I still had every episode that went out. At least three people would email me and say, hey. I would love to be on the podcast. Oh, you just talked to Sally. She was so good. What about me? And I'm like, okay, let me look. Okay, you practice for 12 years, criminal defense. Great. You know, do you skydive on the weekend? No. Have you wrote a book about your practice? No. I, oh, okay. Are your kids really interesting? Right? Like, I'm trying, like, give me some information. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, you're, you know, your life sounds amazing. I would love to refer you to someone that I know who's looking to talk to, you know, people with a more traditional career, however, at this time, whatever. Um, And that was hard because you start a podcast because you want to share. If you didn't want to share, you would just have a journal. So you start a podcast because you want to share. And then not only do people start listening to it, but they want to be on it. Oh my God, I have to accept everybody. This is great. And then it's like, but but you can't. I've had those calls when you're just like, oh yeah, do doc review. When did you start loving documents? (laughs) (laughs) Like, man, like this is rough, you know? And so I think it was probably by like the the fourth interview where I was like, you know what? I think um, I'm going to take ownership of it and realize Mm -hmm. how important this is and start treating it that way. And that was one of the best trainings for me because that was before I was even being paid to podcast. And I would have had a really hard time making the transition once people started paying me to say, oh, now I got to talk to absolutely everyone. Or now I have to make the podcast three times a week or whatever. I would have had like more pressure to compromise had I not started making those those decisions early on. Mm -hmm. Do you think it helps? uh, Do do you think it helps you build the brand? You know, think about sort of the brand of the podcast or like the IP or or. Uh, sort of soft value of the podcast, not soft in a bad way, but sort of the the yeah. sort of copyright value of the podcast. Do you think it helps build that brand to be more selective? I don't 
think so. Um, I think I'm a business person at heart, right? I have a spreadsheet with every single person I've talked to, every email I've gotten, people I've pitched, people who pitched to me, whether or not it worked. Um, people who, like, if I interview you and you give me two referrals, I list those people. And then when I have a gap, I can contact them. So I don't think it helps the brand necessarily that I'm so discerning. I do think it helps the brand that from the beginning, I thought of it as a business. Mm -hmm. You know, I was a scaredy cat with starting the podcast because maybe, maybe I was risk averse, darn it, lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> so I started tweeting from You Are Lawyer back in March, 2019. And I didn't release an episode until April, 2020. But I was like, oh, I know I need to capture use of this name before anyone else can have it. And I was telling people like, hey, I think I want to start a podcast. And they were like, oh, that's a great idea. But I was still terrified. And I was like, well, if I start using the name, then I can file the trademark and then I can just have it. Right. And so I think having that intention of at least making it official and I'm sure having the IP background, working in e-commerce, all of that stuff was in the back of my mind. But I think just having that intention that I wanted it to be an actual brand, it wasn't just, hey, Kyla's doing whatever today. Um, I think that's the best thing that's helped with marketing because I think it looks intentional. Not yeah. that, you know, it can't be um, casual. You know, the conversations are definitely fun and they're they're definitely engaging, but I do think that it looks intentional every every part of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, every, um, every sort of interaction right? Because I'm sure, you know, people who interact with your podcast probably are interacting, obviously audio, they're going to interact that way. They may watch videos. They may see you like in person, so to speak, sort of by video. They may go to your website. They may see you on social media. Do you think having some sort of consistency and in, in the look and the feel and kind of the vibe of everything, is that something you go for very specifically so that it carries through all those platforms? Or do you think it just kind of comes out naturally? Yeah, I I do think it is, um, it's intentional. Mm -hmm. And the reason why it's consistent is because I told myself that I was going to just be me, right? I do have an assistant now who does my reels and my shorts on YouTube because mm -hmm. I'm just not good with those. Or I just don't want to do them. I do them on my personal page, but I just don't want to do them for the business. But because of that, like you won't email me and I'll say, oh, thanks for your email. We'll let Kyla know and she'll talk to you. It's me. I'm like, hey you know, look at this calendar, tell me what days work. And so because I said, yes, it's a brand that you are a lawyer, but it's also me. I didn't have to put up a facade and there's nothing that I have to remember. Oh, I got to do the, you are a lawyer voice. Mm, <laughs> right. Right. It's like, no, I, I said the whole point of this was creative, you know, non-traditional you. And so I make sure that I'm doing that. Right. Like I fidget a lot. We're not recording the video, but I've been playing with Play-Doh this whole time. <laughs> it's just something I do. If I wasn't doing this, I'd be tapping on the wall and ruining your audio. So, so it's like, um, I was intentional about just saying, yeah, you want this to be a business and you want it to be a big deal, but I want it to sound like me and I want to approach everything in an honest way. So I think that helps. Um, but that doesn't say that I didn't have compromises. I, my favorite color is green. So uh -huh. I created the cover art. It was, it was literally in Microsoft Word. You know, I, I put some words together and colors and put, and my husband looks at it and he's in, in project management and he's all about UX and user design. And he was like, no, we're, we're not, you can't use it. And I was like, what do you mean? And he 
is like, okay, I need you to go look at five podcasts that you enjoy, you know, listening to or watching and tell me five things you like about them. And then I need you to tell me things that you enjoy about listening to it. Okay, well, listen. And then I need you to go look at their titles and tell me what you like. Why? And he was like, because you have, this isn't for you. You need someone to see it and say, oh, what's that? I think I want to look at it, right? And he's like, because if, if that's not the case, then why are you creating it? Again, back to the point of you podcast because you want to share. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, you know what colors look really good with law? Navy blue and orange. That has nothing to do with me. He's like, I get it, but are you going to hate it? I'm like, okay, well, maybe not, you know, Columbia blue, make it navy blue. Right? <laughs> so, so we did change stuff. And in fact, I just recently updated the podcast where I now have my image on the cover art because before then it was just the graphic. And you know, even that was strategic because I was like, well, <clears throat> I want this to look professional. The shows I really enjoy, they don't have their faces on there, right? Like, it's not about me. It's about the lawyers. And that part was good, too. But, like, my downloads doubled once I had a face on there because people were like, oh, who's this? Oh, right. they're a lawyer? Oh, let me see what's going on. And even that is different. But, like, there's stuff that you want to do. And then there's stuff that will make people pay attention. And I had to find a way to marry the two. And so that was pretty hard in terms of of podcasting and marketing the the channel, because, you know, you want people to listen to it, but then also you have to study, you have to do that research. I have to tap into, okay, what do I need to do? Um, And once I realized, well, I love research. Let's, let's go and look. Um, I was able to marry all of it and and come up with a product that I really enjoy. Yeah. I I love that. It's uh, be yourself. You can build your thing around yourself. It's a lot easier to do that, by the Mm -hmm. way, because then you don't have to pretend like you say, you don't have to forget like, Oh, this is podcast me. Um, you know, just be yourself, but then of course, communicate with people in the ways that, uh, you can do and that people respond to. And it just seems like people who are the most successful at building their thing and kind of building a, an audience around their thing are really good at communicating to other people in a way that other people like to be communicated to, but in, but within their, within their own voice, not, you know, not inventing some new thing, but within their own voice. And yeah, yeah it's a, it's a challenge, but I think it's something that everybody, you know, whether they're in the say lawyers in the private practice of law or they're outside or you're in a business or, you know, you're fundraising for a charity or whatever, it doesn't really matter. In every one of those circumstances, you have to be able to build some awareness or some brand or some community that ultimately is about you. Mm-hmm. And it's like all the skills that you just described are things that translate into all of those things. It's excellent yeah. advice, Kyla. You've, you've, <laughs> you've you. blessed us with very good advice. Um, well, I could like, I could keep you here all day long um, because these are things that I really like to chat about. But I know that you're a busy person with also things to do. So Kyla, if people are trying to find you, what's the easiest way for them to do that? So if you're trying to find me, you can go to kyladenano.com. You'll see a couple things there. Um, For one, the About Me page is all about all the things I enjoy doing. But Mm -hmm. also, I launch podcasts for small business owners. So if, well, you're definitely listening to me right now on Wealth and Law And so if you're like, hey, they're talking about podcasting, that seems pretty cool. You can consider starting a podcast. You know, I do launch those for small business owners, but also you'll just get to see, I think it's what I look like on on a website. I was going to say on paper, but on a website, right? It's colorful, it's organized. (laughs) Um, And it's just talk, it's me talking about myself, talking about my journey um, and everything like that. And you can email me hello at KylaDenagno.com if you have any questions, if you want to 
for more information, if you just want to say, hey, I thought that was pretty cool that you were on that podcast, you know, you can contact me through email. Very cool. And of course, I'll put all the links and things in the show notes. So people who are looking for you will find you there if they're not capable of searching for you through normal search engines uh, on the internet, which also will work, I promise to everybody. So um, (laughs) Kyla, I I can't thank you enough. Really appreciate your time. Thank you, Brent. I appreciate being on the Wealth and Law podcast and I'll talk to everyone later. Hey, listeners, thanks again for joining me on the podcast. It's fun to do it for you. If you're enjoying it, please subscribe at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to my blog at wealthandlaw.com and follow me on social media at wealthandlaw. I'll see you there.